And this is the first time that Rebecca Davis and I will have exchanged conversational gambits since the 3rd of November. Rebecca. What? 3rd of November. It's a, it's a tragedy, John, and I felt its absence in every aspect of my life, pre- predominantly skincare. <laughs> <laughs> You've come out all in a rash, have you, as a result of <laughs> not hives, having my weekly hives wisdom. Hives all over. <laughs> How are you? John, I am well. How are you? I wish I could say the same, but I would be lying, and I've made a commitment to be more honest during 2023. Good Lord, that does not sell a jolly show for any of your listeners. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to be completely honest. I'm just going to be more honest in 2022. Uh, Rebecca, uh, artificial intelligence, chat GPT, it's um, something that a lot of people are trying and commenting on and writing about and trying to understand the implications of. What is Rebecca Davis's take? Well, John, did you did you receive the email I sent you earlier yes. in which I asked ChatGPT to write an intro for your show today? I, I, did, so, th- I, you- I did that. I did that at the beginning of the show. I did my normal intro and then I did ChatGPT's suggested intro right so i think you will agree john that it left something to be desired i i did get one message rebecca from somebody saying i could be out of a job soon <laughs> sorry for my callous cackle there so <laughs> chat gpt is supposed to be the most sophisticated chat whatever to, to be capable of generating human-like responses and there has suddenly just been this explosion john i hear that if you're somewhere like that's really tech focused like san francisco right now ai is all that is being discussed and it does feel even at the periphery of the world here in south africa that suddenly there just has been this massive kind of leap forward in AI and how it's going to impact all of us. Presumably those of us in South Africa somewhat less soon than the rest of, you know, the West and the, the rest of it. But we we too will be um, impacted. So I started playing around with ChatGPT last year when I asked it about the ANC conference, which I thought would be a good way to get a sense of how it might be used. The thing is, of course, it's it was programmed, I think, only up until... Mm, October 2021 or something. So it had no live, real-time information to give me. So at the time, what it turned out was a kind of explainer on the ANC, how the ANC's electoral processes work. And at the time, though it was very boring, I have to say, John, I did think, you know, some outlet could run this as an explainer. If with the headline, how does the ANC's electoral processes work? And I'm not convinced that anyone would really be able to tell that that was computer generated as opposed to you know some junior reporter or an intern nowadays and i'm by nowadays i mean literally in the last few weeks we've seen universities in the usa become increasingly concerned because students are using chat gpt with abandon as you can imagine for things like essays just this week came the news from wharton which is one of the leading business schools in the usa that chatbot gpt passed its mba exams with a B average, which is really quite, quite stunning. So universities in America are now taking steps like, for instance, professors making students start writing their essays, at least in class, so they can be monitored to make sure they're not getting help. They're also being set tasks like, how could you improve on this 
chat GPT essay, as in taking it almost as a given that chat GPT will be consulted during the writing of these essays and simply trying to build on that. It is really kind of a brave new world. But the question does remain, what is the quality of its output? As I think, as witnessed by your intro, by my experiments with it, it's not terribly good. The leading tech website, CNET, turns out, has quietly started using chat GPT for explainers, particularly financial explainers. The problem is plagiarism. Plagiarism is right, and this seems to be one of the biggest issues with AI at the moment when it comes to images as well and text. It steals very abundantly from other sources, and it doesn't credit them. Or it produces the kind of work which is very thinly disguised plagiarism where, I mean, you know, unscrupulous students will be familiar with this technique, where you simply find synonyms for words, but you're maintaining all the same basic argument and structure. There is one aspect of the recent AI explosion that I find particularly interesting, John, and that is to do with legal services. I don't know if you've seen in America, the startup Do Not Pay, which is a a specifically legal services chatbot. This week, its founder offered a million dollars to anyone who's willing to argue in front of the Supreme Court of America with an earpiece in which do not pay's legal AI would give you the responses to say to the judges. Now, technically, this would have been allowed because you're allowed to wear earpieces for hearing reasons. But it turns out not so much when you're you know, actively advertising that you are going to be feeding people answers through an earpiece. So that has been shut down. But the fact remains that this is one aspect that AI could really be useful for in terms of things like generating Letters of demand, fairly formulaic, simplistic legal services that those of us who are not lawyers currently pay through the nose for and are often exploited, I think, by legal services firms. I would probably be much less enthusiastic about this if I was a lawyer. I can imagine lawyers listening to this just shaking their heads. But if that kind of AI comes to South Africa, I think that would have the the opportunity to really transform legal services to many people who need them. So that's, I think, one really positive side to look at as long as you're not a lawyer yeah i mean one of the one of the big questions is the degree to which it will affect employment in the future the point is often made that chat gpt is very much in its infancy when it comes to you know it's it's sort of tech maturity and that it is going to get better it's going to get a lot better and there have been some quite dire predictions about the consequences for human employment and it's I I wish I could say that those were not true, but the reality is that there will be things that it can do as well as humans, and it will do them more cheaply than humans. Now, that does not mean that you have to use a machine instead of a human, but profit being the singularly most important motivation in most employers' minds if they can get a job done as well by a cheaper machine than a more expensive human being, that human being is going to find itself out of a job. And I I think that's very sad. And who knows what the consequences of that will be. I think you're right, Don. And I think basically what people have been saying for a few years is correct, which is if you are trying to future-proof your job or if you're starting off – just in the career market and you're looking for a job that might be future-proof, the way to go is basically things that cannot be reduced to robotic formulas, anything involving a higher degree of intellectual complexity or imagination or creativity. I think those are the jobs that are likely to last longest. Anything that can be sort of technically mastered in by an algorithm will go first. Crazy to think that we're discussing this. I mean, for once, it really does feel like the future is upon us. 
Um, Leon has said, I use ChatGPT to assist with writing code. It's amazing. It has assisted more than Google. And that's what I've heard from a lot of people who are in the coding business. But let's move on to, yeah, I, I, I saw the story that you wanted to, to chat about. And I found it really intriguing. The idea that um, scientists might or humanity should pay reparations to animals for all the testing that we have done on animals, supposedly in the pursuit of better, more effective medicines and so on. Yeah, it's, I have to admit shamefully, John, that I've never actually considered the role that animal testing played in producing the COVID vaccines. But I am now educated about the fact that, you know, the actual COVID vaccines were tested on monkeys, for instance. And of course, that one of the reasons they were able to be developed so quickly was because scientists were building on decades and decades of research that was generated through testing on animals. So there really is like an inescapable link between the COVID vaccines and testing on animals. And we owe those animals. I mean, however you, you frame it, if you are somebody who believes, as I think most of us do, that animals are capable of, you know, thought and emotion and the rest of it, then you are somebody who should feel grateful to animals. The think, thinking goes for the, the, the services they have not voluntarily um, offered us when it comes to medical research. And so the question is, how do you pay back animals? And people are thinking more and more about this, ethicists in particular. The the best way, obviously, would be for animals which are not killed in the course of medical experimentations to be then granted a better life, to go on to some kind of farm sanctuary, to be adopted out, etc. But that obviously cannot be the case for all of them. So that when it comes to animals who are killed, as you say, the suggestion now is that some kind of financial reparations should be considered. And this might sound absurd, but it's not at all, really. It's the idea, for instance, that if you received a vaccine that was developed effectively by killing a monkey in medical research, then you should donate money to a monkey sanctuary, for instance, to an organization that does work for primates of some kind. If you are someone who is lucky enough to receive some kind of transplant, a cornea, for instance, from a pig, then you should do the same for an, an, an organization working on animal welfare. It's a kind of, I mean, it's the, the, the kind of idea that I could imagine a lot of people sort of scoffing at, John. But to me, it makes, it really does make a, a kind of sense. I mean, I suppose it does nothing to address the wider and much more serious issue, which is about whether we should be testing on animals at all. But at the least, it could do a bit to offset some of what should be actually quite substantial guilt about how we do treat those animals. And then finally, what is the time on the moon, Rebecca Davis? Who can say, John? The answer is nobody, because there is no time on the moon currently. That is why people are trying to develop universal lunar time. Now, obviously, time is a man-made construct. And so what happens currently is that each individual space mission basically is in communication with its home country and everyone's using universal clocks, right? And that's fine, but as missions become more coordinated and, you know, there is this kind of race now to to land more crafts on the moon to set up all sorts of um, settlements and that, there's going to be need for coordination and they're going to need to have a time time that works for everyone that spacecrafts will be coordinated against. And it's going to be very, very difficult for many reasons which are far too complex for me to understand or even begin to explain. But one of them is that clocks tick differently on the moon than they do on Earth. And this is because of their different gravitational pull. 
the moon has a weaker gravitational pull. So technically, the clocks would tick faster. But there's also the question of the daylight, the way a day on the moon works as opposed to a day on Earth. Now, one day, by which I mean noon to noon on the moon, corresponds to 29 and a half Earth days, almost a month. And the, the whole reason I wanted to bring up this topic, Don, although it is very interesting and your listeners can read more about it on Nature this week, is to say that if you are running late with something, perhaps a task, perhaps an appointment, you know, some long overdue chore, you should consider simply telling whoever is bugging you about it that you are working on moon time. Moon time. I like the idea of that. It is almost three months since we last had this. So I sincerely hope it will be only six days before we do it again. Spot on, John. Spot on. Spot on, Rebecca Davis. Spot on.